one of the harder things to pull off in filmmaking is telling a true story that audiences are familiar with because it's part of semi-recent history. What Sarah Colangelo does with Worth is she dives into a very notable recent event in 9-11 and finds an angle and a story and a personal hook that draws us into a part of it we may not have known quite as well. Sarah's my guest today, and she tells us about how this project came to her, what drew her into it, and how she found her way to make this personal and compelling. It features an amazing performance by Michael Keaton, as well as Amy Ryan, Stanley Tucci. It is a really powerful story if you're not familiar with what is at its core. I highly recommend the film, but also it was really great to talk to Sarah just about how she built this directing career, how she got this opportunity, what struck her about it, and how she approached directing these great talents and pulling off what is really, again, one of the harder things to do. So here we go. Sarah Colangelo on Worth. So first off, thank you so much for doing this and being here. Worth is... Well, let's begin with Worth is a movie from 2020, but it's about yeah. to be released. <laughs> so maybe you can tell us insights into just what that has been like, that process. Well, you know, it was such a pleasure being able to go to Sundance with the film, and we had just a great reception there. And then, of course, you know, COVID happened. So we were kind of waiting for the right moment. And I think Netflix was waiting for the right moment. You know, I, I think actually, there was sort of a blessing in disguise with this all. I think that there's something really poignant in being able to show the film to audiences right before the 20th anniversary and post COVID. Well, not post, but you well, know, yeah. post as, you know, while we're still in it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and um, you know, even as we're kind of ending the war in Afghanistan, I think the way that we are now looking at 9-11 and meditating on it is um, going to be really different and, and really interesting than, um, you know, than in 2020 when, when we were premiering at Sundance. Yeah, that's, it's crazy when you said 20 and I was like, oh, is it almost the 10 year anniversary? But that's yeah. just, yeah, it's the 20 year. Um, <laughs> but I, what's, it's, it's so fresh. It's so much a part of our lives. It was such a turning point for mm-hmm. obviously the subjects of this film in ways that I can't comprehend. Yeah. But just for everybody. And I feel like the timing is is amazing. It worked out really well in that sense. And I'm kind of curious. I want to go back to the beginning on just like mm-hmm. developing the project, getting involved with with Max Borenstein, who wrote mm-hmm. it and, it. and it's based on a book and it's based on real people. And Michael Keaton is amazing and, and was a producer. There's so many things about this I want to touch on. But I do want to get back to Sundance 2020 because... I imagine as a filmmaker, even, you know, with all those people working with like Michael Keaton, et cetera, Mm -hmm. you guys went with, did you go with Netflix knowing Netflix was going to happen or did the Netflix deal happen out of Sundance? The Netflix deal happened after Sundance and, you know, we were thrilled when it happened. And then, you know, after that, the Obamas came on, Higher Ground came on to support the film. So that was just really fantastic. But no, I mean, we went to Sundance the way I've always gone to Sundance where we made a film and we're going to see who likes it. And, and that was sort of, you know, that's kind of 
That's so it was a pretty, even though things got crazy after I was at 2020, I remember like it was like right before everything got weird, Sundance. But even though you must have been coming out of it like really hyped, like and excited for where things were headed. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I think people really responded to the film in a positive way there. You know, it's always just a a thrill and a and a sort of rush every, you know, when you're when you're premiering it for the first time and, and people are actually watching it and you're kind of locked in an editing room for, you know, what is it, 12 weeks or so. Right. Um, so it's it's always really thrilling and exciting when when you actually get to engage with audiences. Yeah. And so your career before this, you know, you've you've been a director, you've been a writer, um, you've done features, mm-hmm. you've been to Sundance. What what brought you into this particular project and and at what stage did you get involved, I guess? Yeah. Um, well, Max had written this, I think, you know, years before. I think he was in his early 20s or something when he wrote the script. And it was a blacklisted script. So, you know, um, clearly people really loved it. I came on, you know, I was pitched, you know, the script and the idea. And, you know, to be totally honest, I kind of dodged it at first. I was like, oh, hmm. you know, I'm not sure if I want to take on such a, a heavy subject matter as 9-11. And, you know, I was, I'm 41 now. So I was 21 at the time of the attacks. And it was just a really defining event of my life and kind of mm. the beginning of my adulthood. There's a certain loss of innocence, I suppose, when it happened. And, you know, I think for our generation, it just, it caused a lot of anxiety, a lot of a lot of things. I mean, it yeah. was- No, really, I mean, I, I, I'm almost exactly the same age, so I understand. Yeah, uh, and I, I, I was just going to ask like where, so let's go back even further. When you were 21, mm-hmm. when 9-11 happened, where were you? But also, where were you in your filmmaking journey? Did you know you were going to be a filmmaker? How did you no, get started? I, and then I guess segue. So we'll start with 9-11, but then also how did you become yeah, no, a filmmaker? I'll give you all of this. Yeah, all of it. Um, I mean, so yeah, I had graduated college in, you know, May of 2001. And I had gone on like a Fulbright uh, scholarship to Italy. So I was living in Italy that fall when it happened. Uh-huh. And I got a call from a, like an Italian journalist who had somehow knew that Americans were living in the apartment. And she was like, oh, have you heard the news? And it was 3 p.m. in Italy. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, oh, you don't know what I'm talking about. And, and she was like, have you heard about the attacks? And I was like, what attacks? Like in North Africa? What do you, you know, there's been like Al-Qaeda attacks in North Africa. Like, in right, right. I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. She's like, oh, you've got to turn on the TV. And I was like, you know, I, I turned it on. And then slowly people started trickling back. Roommates started trickling back into the, the apartment and we were just, you know, all in tears. And um, it, it was, it was crazy, you know, and I had, um, I had so many friends in New York and, and then I ended up moving to New York in 2002. And weirdly enough, I, uh, I was, I, I had taken the LSAT and I was like pondering a, a career in, in law. So I was paralegal oh. at the time, but I was in 2002, what I experienced was a city in total grief and trauma, you know? Um, yeah. So that was something that I really, I, I took and I, and I tried to put in the film as much as possible. And even just that feeling of like the 24 hour news cycle and TVs on, you know, that was something that was really important when we were making the film was making sure that, you know, screens were on and, and, you know, feeling of, you know, CNN on all all the time, you know? Yeah. Did you, where did you get from LSAT around that time in a grieving New York to filmmaking? Well, you know, I, it was a fascinating year 
working at the law firm and we were like working on like Enron cases and all sorts of interesting oh, wow. stuff. Yeah. At that and, time. <laughs> but I realized I, it, you know, as much as I admire the work, it wasn't really for me. And I found myself more drawn to the psychology of the clients or, huh. you know, people's stories. And there were just, I had friends of friends who were in film school and I was like, Oh, that's so interesting. You can go to film school. You know, I just didn't know <laughs> that that was like a thing that you could do. And I had such an interest in music and photography and writing, but I didn't know that you could kind of put all of these elements together and actually mm. do something like filmmaking. And uh, so, you know, I had to have like the talk with my parents and <laughs> I come from a family of Italian immigrants and they weren't necessarily pleased, but, but then they kind of came on board and I ended up, you know, getting into NYU grad film. And so then I, um, I, yeah, I enrolled and that's sort of how it happened. And a lot of people go to film school though. And it, you know, it's no guarantee of any, and, and so like you do that, like you came out to your parents as a filmmaker, which is which for a yeah, lot of people is really tough. And then you, you did that, but I'm curious, you know, also with, particularly for many in our audience, getting from the, I'm going to pursue this to I'm getting jobs. Cause yeah. you know, for worth, for you to be in a position where it's, I assume it was an open directing assignment and you were like, I don't know if I want that one. You know, like that's, right. that's a big, that's a big place to be even before this movie, you know? So how did you get there? Like, what were the, are there any important critical steps you felt that like kind of made it possible or, or was there a mindset? Yeah. I mean, I'll say this, that, you know, I was a little bit nervous to take on 9-11. I felt like there was a huge responsibility in telling a story about 9-11, but I was really attracted to the sort of moral conundrum of, of it all, you know, kind of how math and calculation of dollars and cents and this kind of, you know, cold actuarial, like modeling of, you know, lives, like how yeah. that would collide with the raw emotion of 9-11 and the heartbreak of thousands of families. That to me was so fascinating. And I think it was also a story about 9-11 that I had never heard before. And I thought, okay, well, I can do something interesting with this. And, and I think audiences haven't really seen this kind of story before. So that's kind of how, how I came to it. And, you know, in my previous work, I guess I am really, um, I am really drawn to moral ambiguity. I think, you know, in little accidents, there's very much that going on. You know, it's like, you know, that, that film took place um, in a coal mining community. And there's a lot of kind of, there's a disaster, a coal mining disaster that happens and families are kind of reeling from it and trying to kind of restructure their world emotionally. And I think, right. You know, that's very much the case in, in Worth. I mean, it's really a film about sur surviving and those who have survived and how you kind of put your life and your world back together. Um, so that was something that was really fascinating to me, I guess. Yeah, there um, seems to be a thread there of mm -hmm. value of human life and also, you know, picking up the pieces, certainly. When you got out of school though, and you were sort of in that, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do filmmaker stage mm -hmm. where, you know, every, a lot of people want to be writer directors. Very few get there. Yeah. What were the first jobs you got? And like, what were the, you know, steps to between there and, and directing and yeah, writing features? I mean, we were all kind of working. Yeah. We were all kind of working for each other. Like, you know, we, 
we as students were all kind of just on each other's short films and trying to, you know, right. trying to get gigs through each other. So there was like, you know, that was sort of interesting. And so I would like script supervise at first for other people and edit little things. And I was working on my own documentary at the time. Like there, you know, there are these kind of little projects and you weren't making much money um, <laughs> that way. And then like Sundance had, um, I had a short that had gone to South by Southwest and Sundance saw it and really liked it, even though it didn't go to Sundance. And then I had made a second short that actually went to Sundance. And then the labs folks called me up and they said, you know, do you have a feature? And I was like, yes, I do. But I didn't. So like I spent the next, <laughs> year, the next well, good answer though. <laughs> trying to write something really quickly. So yeah. It, and, and luckily they, they liked it, you know, and that was little accidents. And, you know, so I guess I've been really fortunate in that, like the, the, film student dream kind of happened and that they, they kind of, I, I got their attention, but I know a lot of people do it, you know, not with those kinds of steps. Yeah, no, I mean, that's yeah. you, you, you kind of, yeah, you followed a path that uh, people imagine happening for yeah. them, but doesn't yeah. often, but I'm no, curious often, but yeah. from a process standpoint a little bit or from an artistic standpoint, like what do you prioritize in your work? And I mean, cause it's not an accident, it's not an accident that that worked out for you. Like you know, it sounds like you're drawn to certain kinds of stories. It sounds like, like, what, as a filmmaker and as an artist, what do you think is the the thing that has, has helped you, you know, like kind of mm -hmm. making these jumps and making them successfully each time? You know, I don't know. It's, um, you know, I guess I let myself get drawn into certain worlds and places and people and their psychologies. I think, you know, something like The Kindergarten Teacher, that was, that was like a remake of... Um, you know, Nadav Lapid's like incredible Israeli film. And I was just really like, in that case, really drawn to that female character and the weirdness of the character, you know, she's mm -hmm. so bizarre, but yet so human. And I just loved the exploration of art and what is art and um, what is good art and what isn't. And, you know, I think with every, every film, it's a little bit different, but I try not to do the same thing every time. Like I'm not interested in a career like that. And some people really hmm. like that, but I yeah. don't, you know, I, it's like, people are like, Oh, well, what's next? And I say, Oh, I have no idea. It could be a musical. It could be. A <laughs> and know, it doesn't no. scare you to say, I have no idea. <laughs> no, it, it's like, for me, I love that challenge. And I love, I love changing genres. If, if that happens. And I, if I get those opportunities, cause I just like to kind of experiment with my range as a director. So, you know, that to me is really fun. And I, and again, some people don't like to do it. They really find like a, a niche and, yeah. and really work within that. But I, I'm not necessarily uh, like that. Yeah. And I, there's no right way either, right? Like people find their way that works for them. Yeah. But, um, for me, I guess it's more the in, like the intensity of the psychological experience of the characters. And, you know, again, this issue of kind of moral ambiguity, like what are the questions asked in a particular story and script and, you know. Sometimes I'm writing, sometimes I'm not, but it just really depends. And yeah, and coming back now to Worth, this is a bigger, uh, in terms of this cast. So mm -hmm. there's a, it's a good, it's a good story. It's a solid script. It's based on a true thing and you're coming into it. You say yes, cause you, it sounds like you kind of found your way in as a, as a filmmaker and you guys have like when does Michael Keaton and Stanley Tucci and a number of other like really accomplished, talented people come involved. And as a director, I'm really curious what it's like to collaborate and kind of 
direct people like that, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) When I received the script, Michael Keaton was already attached. And so that was really enticing for me because I just, I was like, wow, you know, this is interesting. And I'd love to see him take on Ken Feinberg. And, and, um, and I think he had, you know, Ken Feinberg, you know, the real Ken Feinberg is just really charismatic. He's so interesting, you know? Yeah. Fascinating. I don't know if you've ever seen him speak, but really fascinating. And I thought that Michael could really tap into that. And, yeah. and I think he does. And, you know, so for me, it was really exciting. Having that prospect of working with Michael was really exciting, I guess. You know, and then slowly we we kind of put the rest of the cast together. I think Amy came on next and she's just phenomenal. And it's just, I just, she's just really great. Um, I just so subtle. And I think she was just really um, a pleasure to work with. And and Stanley came on after, and he's just also great. So I yeah, I mean, are, these most are, of the work is staying out of their way. Right. I was going to say, do you ever find yourself it. like, I have to give this person, I have to give Stanley Tucci some direction here, and I'm not sure how, or I'm worried about, or do you just kind of throw yourself into it and like, you know, I know what I'm doing, and I'm not questioning my instincts, and like, what's your style like when yeah, you're talking I mean, to an actor? It's always a little bit intimidating when you're dealing with a big star, like certainly like Michael. You know, I was such a fan of stands and like i remember um he only shot for maybe i don't know a few days but on our first first day shooting i said stanley you know there was just a moment that wasn't necessarily resonating with me it was like the first take and i so i pulled him aside i said stanley do you think you know um do you think you could do it a little bit and he just looked at me and said better <laughs> laughing, I was like, yeah he's like i know i know what you want i'm gonna i'll do it you know it's like it's as a director you you know sometimes i get myself into more of a hole when i over intellectualize something oh yeah uh, you know what i mean there's just no that i absolutely that do have. i've i've often i i often wonder and i'm glad you put a finer point on it like that how directors who are often artistic and cerebral can help stop all those thoughts about everything they've thought about with the film. Like I'm a super cerebral, like film watcher, filmmaker myself. And I can't imagine how I would filter out the millions of references, thoughts, inspirations to just try and help an actor who's just trying to hit that one moment, you know? So how do you, yeah. So it sounds like you were starting to go down that road, but he just kind (laughs) of was like, no, no, I get it. Don't worry. Well, he just kind of finished my sentence, but um, I, I mean, I think there were really great conversations, you know, um, between us on set. And I certainly learn a lot from from my actors and I try to allow a little space on set, you know, to be surprised. So I don't like to go into it having, of course, you have your vision directorially, but I really like to be surprised by the performances. And certainly with this caliber of of actors, you know, they they gave so much and, and really elevated the roles, I think, um, ways that I couldn't have even imagined. So it's getting amazing reviews for all the performances, which is so often, you know, a result of a director. It feels like a, an actor, you know, you're, I don't know if you're an actor's director or not, but it feels like you're kind of with this film, certainly it comes off that way. So many different kinds of nuanced performances from great talent, but everybody kind of at the top of their game and, and not an easy topic again, like it could be over, it could be heavy handed. It could be, Mm -hmm. you know, there's so many ways it can go um, that to have the right touch 
like kind of reminds me of like Sydney Lumet a little bit, like mm-hmm. in terms of the, the approach and the, and pulling it off. Thanks. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was, yeah, I mean, I'm impressed. It's a tough, it's, I think everybody will be impressed, but I kind of want to ask about d- the directing from just like a, how you work with your camera and your visuals standpoint, mm-hmm. like, what are you looking for? And this is a real life, you know, drama. This is like mm-hmm. in, in human beings in rooms and, Know, most movies these days, most theatrical, like you're not just going to get the Sydney Lumet style. Yeah. So, so how did you, how did you previs and what did you yeah. shoot on and those kinds of things? No, I mean, that's really interesting. I mean, I always want to shoot on film and I'm never allowed to shoot on film. <laughs> <laughs> I ask every time to shoot on 35 mil. But um, yeah, I, um, we ended up going digital with this. But I, I think, you know, with the lensing, we always try to get kind of interesting vintage lenses. And um, and you're a photographer originally, right? So that's part of why. Yeah, I, think, I mean, yeah. I, could, I wouldn't say I was a photographer, but I love photography. I mean, I loved the visual world and I, and I always loved, you know, film. And, and yeah. um, so it was like something that I felt like attuned to maybe uh, growing up. Um, but no, I mean, I would, I would say that I was looking a lot at things like all the president's men, mm, like pr- interesting yeah. procedural films, like even, you know, spotlight. And I was like, you know, is there a way to do this elegantly and sort of elevate the procedural elements here? And I remember reading something, you know, on all the president's men where like Robert Redford said something like, well, this, this isn't a whodunit. It's a how done it. And, mm. and I thought that was really interesting. And I said, okay, well, this film is that too, you know, how do we make the work of it all fascinating and both, you know, both the nitty gritty, but also the kind of psychological aspect to it. Because I think for Ken and Camille going to work was their way of kind of putting a world back together. It was their way of mourning. It was their way of processing the disaster and their kind of workhorses, both of them. So that was something that was really interesting to me. So, you know, um, Pepe, my DP and I, you know, we kind of looked at you know, those like older, um, Pakula films and, um, seventies paranoia or government. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we were looking a lot at like the slow zoom. We, we Uh kind of utilize that sometimes. (laughs) It's kind of fun. And, you know, we loved the like overhead, you know, fluorescence in the newsroom, obviously in, in all the president's men. And that was something that was, you know, actually from a production design standpoint, it was, very appropriate for the law firm, you know, huh. the early 2000s law firm of yeah. um, Ken and Camille. So, you know, we're just kind of playing with some of those elements. And um, I, re- I feel like I remember the quote was like that the the contrast of the brightness of the newsroom in that film was the the truth in the in the light of day or something. Like they were going <laughs> to shine the light on, <laughs> on yeah. truth, yeah. the shadowy world outside. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, yeah, all that sort of comes across. Was what cameras did you guys use? Was it Alexa? Yes. I yeah. Think, I think so. I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, and you, you say lenses cause you were like looking for, yeah. How do we make, how do we use our lenses to kind of change our visual a little yeah. bit to, to make yeah. it less crisp? <laughs> less yeah, digital exactly. Crisp. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, we, even in sort of the color timing, we tried to kind of come off that very like primary hmm. color spectrum and kind of, go in a place that was more kind of greens and browns and yellows and, and um, a kind of slightly more vintage look. Um, and how many days did you shoot? What was your shooting schedule gosh, like? I think it was something like 29. I think it was just short of 30. 
we did all of the exteriors first. And I think then we finished with like two weeks in the office setting, which we, we really built from scratch. I mean, um, huh. I worked with Tommaso Ortino, who's really amazing. And he just, you know, made this entire office. We were in a building that was, um, it was like an empty office space, just totally raw office space. And, um, in yeah. <laughs> up in like Nyack or something like that. Right. And, and he just, you know, built it and, and, uh, you know, that was a really kind of fun aspect. Of I that. kind of want to revisit something that you mentioned, which was that you try the, the how done it and the making the elegance of a process or of a discovery just from a scene to scene standpoint or from an editing and pacing standpoint, do you have like, I think so many filmmakers, I guess what I'm getting with this can benefit from trying to make regular work or interaction or scenes just between human beings trying to accomplish something dramatic and compelling. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously there is life kind of hanging in the balance. There are stakes here, but how do you approach it where you're like, I know most people go to movies and they're expecting, you know, death and destruction on some level to like motivate Mm -hmm. them, but that can become its own white noise. Like how did you find drama, like a consistent, you know, people will be engaged. Like this will pull you in and keep you there. And like, what tools do you, do you rely on, you know, to tell stories about people, you know, in a world that doesn't value that as much, I think. Well, I mean, so much is in the script and in like dramatizing moments that may seem banal or kind of mundane Mm -hmm. at first, you know, and, and anything in an office is like, Oh, could that be dramatic? But of course it can, you know, because it's all about, the character's journey and what they're trying to accomplish in that particular office. And I think something like spotlight was a really great example of like, you know, the stakes are incredibly high and, and, you know, with this, I think there's this kind of ticking clock with trying to get people to join the fund. Yeah. And, um, you know, so we were kind of using that as a sort of motor, but then there's, you know, Ken's emotional journey, which is that, you know, he's, kind of arrogant at the start and isn't quite listening. And Camille is always one, kind of one step ahead um, in trying to warn him that this is, this fund is going to be different. This is, there's never been a fund like this. There's never been an mm. event like this. So it's really kind of about how he's changing scene to scene. So we, we really tried to let that kind of be the, the kind of emotional, I guess. Through the line. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, so you would kind of go into each scene and identify like, we're going to hang this one on, on this aspect in the script and kind of use it to propel ourselves. Yeah. And you'd find exactly. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting though, again, because like we don't see it work often. We don't see it get a chance. So, I mean, as a filmmaker, do you see yourself? I know you said you don't know what comes next, but do you, do you sort of see yourself like, Oh, I like, like, this is what I think, you know, I have a knack for this. Or are you kind of like, I want to do something completely different or, you know, since it's been since 2020, do you have other stuff you've been writing? Like, are you still writing and developing and pitching or how, where are you in your career? Um, You know, I'm, I'm writing something now, which is um, kind of inspired by um, sort of a dystopian um, kind of futuristic piece uh, with like a, a female protagonist and like takes place all in, you know, 24 hours. So I'm really excited about that. I'm, I'm writing that now, but yeah, you know, I have a few TV ideas. I've been directing a little bit of TV this summer. So I've been kind of moving around in different, I guess, arenas, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But, you know, yeah, I, I think, you know, I'm definitely kind of more drawn to dramas. 
I don't see myself necessarily doing like a rom-com or something, but a lot of filmmakers in your shoes. Yeah. I'm sorry to cut you. I was going to say a lot of filmmakers in your shoes at your stage of career, they'll often be like, Hey, want to do like the next Marvel big thing, you know? Does do you would you do that? Do you think about those kinds of opportunities, or are you because are you intent on carving out a path differently? <laughs> like, how do you see yeah. it all? No, I've gotten those offers. Um, it's you know I'm not sure. It really will depend on if I find something interesting in the written material that I can kind of latch onto and like run with. You know, yeah. if I don't, then then it kind of is dead for me and I don't even know what to do with it. You know, Um, it's, it's, but yeah, I've had these moments where I've been pitched kind of actiony stuff or superhero stuff and it just doesn't resonate with me. So it really, but then other stuff might. So it, it really depends. Yeah. You're not ruling it out. (laughs) I'm not not ruling it out, but, but a lot of that stuff hasn't, I guess. So it just, you know, sometimes I fall asleep in those movies. So I don't (laughs) I'm not talking Me about too. one particular. No, yeah. I, no, I, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm with yeah. you. I, yeah. I think it's interesting, like going back to something we talked about before. I don't know if this is true for you as a filmmaker and a, and a human being, but 2001 and 9-11 marked a major change, you know, and, and then mm-hmm. it sort of, I feel like Bush v. Gore, maybe a little bit before that, but then suddenly Afghanistan, you know, all these things mm-hmm. changed cultural direction. And I think it impacted movies and the decades, like, Coming up in the 90s or growing up in the 90s, movies were different, different kinds of movies and opportunities than they than exist now. And I wonder, you know, there's there's sometimes there's a a war of words uh, sometimes among filmmakers about what cinema, what kind of movies are valuable. I feel like you're staying in, in an arena of like what you connect with and what is kind of an older school kind of cinema. Do you have mm-hmm. strong views on those th- things and how things have changed or are you... Again, are you just like, I'm going to follow what what strikes me, what inspires me? I mean, yeah. I mean, certainly. I mean, I'm really drawn to work, you know, from the late 70s and early 80s. There's this, like certain freedom to those kinds of movies that we don't really see that often now. I think there's like more risk, you know, what I find is that there is a huge degree of risk taking in that era that sometimes I don't see as much now. But I think it's, I think it's possible, you know, and I, and I see a lot of colleagues and other filmmakers uh, doing really interesting stuff. So I think it's just about kind of finding the right creative partners hmm. and finding folks that will kind of support that vision. But yeah, I don't know if I answered the question. But no, I mean, yeah, I don't know how articulate the question was. <laughs> I was just sort of thinking. I was sort of thinking like, yeah, you're you you've maintained you've continually operated in a space of a kind of movie that mm-hmm. is is less common now. Like since all yeah, so many things have changed. And it seems like you stay true to that. So, and in a way, it makes me think. Well, if you if you do end up doing like a big budget thing, an IP thing, mm-hmm. it'll probably be for for good reason. Like it'll be interesting to see it yeah, because we'll know I, it's I mean, coming from a certain place. Yeah, I, I I mean I hope so. You know, I'm not ruling anything out, but yeah, I mean I I you know I want to do thoughtful things. You know, and sort of and I and I do think that even though I like a lot of different genres. There's a, there is some sort of thread to my work and and there are themes that I kind of keep exploring and that I'm drawn to. Cool. Um, yeah, well, we are running out. I, the last thing I just want to ask, I guess I, I ask a lot is if you had one piece of advice you could give a filmmaker coming up 
what would it be? Coming out of film school or considering film school or around that stage, what would you advise them to do? I mean, I think you really, it's like probably everybody says this, but you really do have to follow your heart and, and let yourself be drawn to the stories that you want to tell and don't try to kind of emulate someone else. I think you just have to um, kind of find what excites you because I think if you're not excited, it'll show. No, um, people don't always say that. <laughs> that's yeah. a good one. I mean, it's it's good. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah. I like that a lot. I think that, and it's also obvious in your work. So yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on yeah, and good luck with the film. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Sarah, for coming on the podcast. Please be sure to check out all our interviews on this podcast feed. We have tons with so many great filmmakers, cinematographers, directors, writers, editors, visual effects people. This is an exciting week at No Film School because we also have a Bond podcast special where we're talking to both the cinematographer and visual effects lead on No Time to Die, the latest and the final entry in the Daniel Craig James Bond series. You'll definitely want to check that one out. We have some great content for you over at nofilmschool.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, check out our YouTube channel where we have a review up of the iPhone 13 and its new cinematic mode. And thank you so much for listening. Mm -hmm.